DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in David Locke, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. His weekly visit is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. Did Joe Ingles profusely apologize for bumping me for my spot? No, I think he rather enjoyed it. Oh, that's not very nice of Joe. He, he, looks, looks, he, he does looks, relish doing it to lock, uh, to bowler, so I guarantee he relish Right, it yeah. One. I think he looks for entertainment wherever he can find it. In this case, he just found it. Jimmy, I shouldn't be expecting a text from Joe that says, hey, by the way, my bad. Sorry about that. No, more one that said, ha, 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 something like but, that. No, in all seriousness, thanks for doing it. Yeah, see, PK is always the polite one around here. That's true. You're right. <laughs> I agree. That's why we like PK. So, David, I have a theory, and uh, you oh like... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. David James has a theory. <laughs> I know. And so you... Down. I do this. I, like, like, PK, can we discuss this before David starts? I do this all the time. <laughs> I have a theory. I do this. We're talking sports. Yes. Like, theory should be for, like, how you're going to improve the tax plan or how you're getting health care or... Yeah, like, can we change... What's a different word theory, our our self-importance when talking about sports and these things always makes me uncomfortable when I do it myself. I know David doesn't have a problem being self-important, but just for the rest of us. (laughs) Um, What? um, I would say cockamamie idea. Right. Noodling, (laughs) something like that. Yeah. But that's the greatness of of Mr. David James Sniggledorf III, is he is a theory man. So I've been noodling all right. I don't know. Man, that just makes me hungry. Now I want pasta. Mm. <laughs> I want ramen. My so, ramen intake is way down due to COVID. Four Jazz teams in a row have gone to the playoffs. I think this year's team is better than any of those four. And I can't guarantee I'll be able to say next year's team is better than any of the previous five. This is the peak year, the best opportunity, and they need to seize it to whatever degree, accomplish whatever they can. They may run into a better team, but they need to get the most out of this season. And I know the front office will rebuild the roster down the line, but you got a 31-year-old guy with some health issues with his wrist, a 33-year-old guy with Achilles. Conley's had his issues in the past, although he seems to be on a pretty good run health-wise right now. they they got to seize this. This is, this is the best shot to get as deep into the playoffs as possible. Uh, this is the moment. What do you think? I mean, I think there's a there's a real chance that that's true. You just need so many things to line up correctly, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, like here's a – I mean, I think you brought up like a really good example where, you know, things aren't – like aren't lining up correctly, and maybe they will by the end of the year. So Mike Conley clearly needed time, Right. Like Mike Conley did, the player we're watching right now is, is reminiscent of what we saw in February and, and in the bubble. But he, you know, his transition of not having the ball in his hands all the time and playing with different types of players was much larger than any of us realized for him. And I think also just moving and everything else was just so he needed time. Boyan didn't for whatever reason, right? He's a he plays off of people. Quinn increased his role a little bit. He stepped up to it, and he, um, and and so you would. The timing is the two of those clicking together as Rudy and Donovan get older and, and, and better and Joe stays healthy. Well, right now what you have is like Mike is doing that, but suddenly you have this boy on injury, and so the timing's not right, and frankly you have the Joe injury. 
which, you know, clearly the day Joe missed the first game, you knew this was now going to be a season-long issue. He wasn't going to miss a game for one because he was going to miss one. It was like, okay, clearly the streak has no chance of lasting for much longer than another week, so let's be smart now. Um, and so, you know, right now the timing of what you're talking about is just it's not lining up, but you're right. Like, we've added favors back. He's having a massive impact. We're plus, like, six when he's on the floor. We were minus six when he was when in those minutes last year. But you, we don't have – it's just hard. Like, you just need so many things to line up. And, you know, we need last year's Boyan with this year's Mike, and that hasn't happened yet. And, you know, probably two years ago is Joe. In the immediacy, they don't play well in New York, and then we sort of all leave them for dead, and they go to Milwaukee and turn it around. How do you explain that? So it's interesting because Milwaukee, I actually kind of – they've always played Milwaukee well, and Milwaukee's defensive style really um, lines up for the way – you know, if you go play your shell defense and let and we get threes off, you're in trouble. Like, we're going to beat you. Uh, we're that good a shooting team. Uh, or they are. We are, whatever. Um I used to always say I could say we because I was traveling, so now I don't feel like I can say we anymore. Like I always said, if I have to get, if I have to arrive at three o'clock in the morning, I can say we, but I don't have to arrive at three o'clock in the morning anymore, so I probably shouldn't say we. Um, so, so that one didn't stun me, and then Cleveland and Detroit are really bad. So, but I, but I like the way we just manhandled Cleveland and Detroit, and defensively, right. were so great in those games. Like that's we just didn't allow them to get anything easy. And the defense was really, really good in both those games. Those are our two best defensive games of the year, but those are also two really bad offensive teams. So um, I'm a little surprised by what happened against Brooklyn. Um, I actually thought the Knicks would be a real problem for us. I said it on my podcast and said it on 1280 the zone earlier. They just, the way they play and what their skill sets are matched up to all of our weaknesses. Um, I kind of feel the same way about Atlanta. Um, Atlanta's not a huge isolation team, but they are another one of these little small point guards that, or just point guards that's playing with the ball in his hands and forcing Rudy out on the floor. And then John Collins can pop, which is always hard for us. And DeAndre Hunter's really, really good. And then they're super athletic. So if they don't force a lot of turnovers, they're great defending the shot. They do foul a lot, which leads me to believe that they're pretty aggressive um, defensively and, and going to get in on you. Um, but they don't force a lot of turnovers, so they're probably protecting um, the paint a little bit. I've watched them a lot. I kind of love. I, I kind of love the Hawks. Actually, they're probably my number one league pass team. So, um, and and Trey Young is kind of, you know, that's our bugaboo, right? The high scoring point guard Jamal Murray, who can come out shoot off the bounce picks. He's only shooting thirty three percent off picks right now, but he can do it. Who then, you know, also Trey Young's un- led the league last year in baskets off paint-to-paint passes, like incredible, six feet tall, his ability to find passing windows. So Rudy comes over to bother him. He's getting the ball to the guy behind him at a higher rate than anyone else in the entire NBA. Um, So I think this is a really hard matchup for us tonight. And so kind of the way the Knicks game was, this one I think tonight will be a struggle for us. And then we'll really wonder what's going on after those other three games. Let's uh, skip ahead to Denver on Sunday. Obviously juicy after the playoff series a year ago. Denver started poorly, had a couple of losses to Sacramento early. Real head-scratcher. But they're 5-2 they're and two in their last seven now. They're playing better. What do you see for that game on Sunday? Is Michael Porter Jr. going to play? Uh, you know, w- once you get into COVID stuff, I have no idea. <laughs> if he plays, then we can get the Denver team before he got hurt or before he got COVID. And if he doesn't play, then we get the team that won five of their last seven that is playing 
very collectively, looks super good. Jokic is controlling, having an MVP year, and great. Their integration of Michael Porter Jr. is causing them huge problems. He's horrendous defensively. He takes a ton of possessions offensively. He doesn't seem to feel the game very well, and it's causing, from everyone I've talked to in Denver, the integration of Michael Porter Jr. is causing them significant problems. Significant enough that I wonder whether or not Bradley Beals is not on that team by the end of the year. How does that relate to each other? Because Denver has been unwilling to move Michael Porter Jr., and I wonder whether or not they might decide that they are. They wouldn't move him for, for Bradley Beal? Well, they haven't been really willing to move Michael Porter Jr. because of just the upside and money. And, it, you know, it, he's got a chance to be great. Like, he's got a chance to be Kevin Durant offensively, so they'd like to see. But they are everything I've heard out of Denver is that they're having a really tough time gelling when he's on the floor. And there's some incredible videos that have been put out um, on YouTube of, like, his teammates all looking at him, yelling at him to rotate and him not moving. Okay, but they wouldn't trade him for Bradley Beal, though? I'm on the hard well, time compl- understanding that. It's a that. far more complicated deal, than, but Michael Porter Jr. would probably be one of the kinpin pieces. You know, if Bradley Beal's the next one to go, Michael Porter Jr. is probably about as good a young player as you can acquire right now for Bradley Beal in the league. Well, speaking of 14 blockbuster trades, why don't we get right to it? Let's start with the Rockets' end of this before we get to Brooklyn and maybe the other clubs. Uh, how good are the Rockets? Where does this new-look Rocket team, which is going to be completely different— <laughs> Harden had the ball so much, how could it not be completely different? If they get all the pieces in place, how good is this Rocket team? What's their ceiling? Yeah, I don't think very— um... I don't think, you know, if I understand the playoff system right, I think I have it. We have, what, six teams make the playoffs, and then seven, eight, nine, ten play playing games. Yep. Is that right? Yep. So I don't think they're top six. I mean, it's a new way to look at it, right? You kind of mm-hmm. have to talk about, like, are you a top six team? I don't think they're a top six team. We're speaking of the Rockets, yeah, I would definitely buy that. Uh, I think yep. that – Although I, I sort of like what they, they did. Top, I mean, they were a top six team when the season started with the roster because yeah. they had James Harden, so they're not any longer. I, I would agree with that, but under the circumstances, I'm okay with what they got. How about you? Um, I'm not sure. So I understand the draft pick accumulation game. What you're doing is you're just taking swings, right? We all know that. You know, from pick 11 on in the draft, only 50% of those players really become regular rotation players. And in the top 10 picks, you know, 20% ever, I think, become an all-star. Like, it's really hard. The only problem to me is, and I have to look at all the years on the picks, but I suspect Brooklyn's going to be pretty good for, what, three, four years now? Five years? And so they got four first-round picks, and they got four pick swaps, the first two picks, if I've got the years right on it, meh. Not like one of them becomes a rotation player, because the odds say. And so they got two, they, they might, they might, under best case scenario, if I get it right, have two swings at a top 10 pick. Maybe. Um, and maybe not. And so if Ben Simmons was really available and you could get a, number one pick that we know is established that's going to be about like an eight-year all-NBA player and an all-defensive player, fine, he doesn't shoot threes. I mean, I love the three and all, but like he's great. 
So I just would have taken the bird in the hand if that was really what was available. And I understand the traffic accumulation that's going on between New Orleans, Oklahoma City, and Brooklyn. But when we stop being enamored by just, like, entreating every first-round pick like it's the exact same, like, there's a really dramatic difference between a first-round pick that is, you know, number 11, number 20, and number 3. Like, they're dramatically different. So, I'm, I'm a little less, I guess, excited about that they got eight picks because – when you put it into some sort of tracker for what actually happens over the history of draft picks, it's not that exciting. Right? So they have what they get first round picks in 2022. That's going to be, that's not going to be a good pick. 2024 is not going to be a very good pick, right? Yeah, but you want a good player. You don't want the pick. I mean, just you can have the number one right, pick so I'm and you saying, can take draft ben, the bus. If I could have gotten Ben Simmons, I'm taking Ben Simmons. Okay, but I'm, if I got Jimmy Butler available at the end of the first round, I'm taking him. Yeah, but that's like, I mean, so that's a swing at it, right? That's what I'm saying is you're getting the yeah, swing at it. Like the numbers on that are pretty unusual, right? We can all talk about Rudy and Jimmy Butler and Giannis mm-hmm. and how and how incredible, and Donovan even. Let's go that post 10. Like sure. yeah, Kawhi, yeah. like they're there. But that's like there's one or one a year in those 20 picks. Right, I mean that's we just did five guys. We could add probably Clay Thompson gets into that group, so there's six. Like we could probably find over the last like five to eight years, we could probably find ten or twelve guys picked after ten that really became stars. Okay, but that's still two out of twenty picks at best a year. Assuming and they keep all those picks, that's what I was going to say. You know, I get your point, David, that they sound better than they're likely to be when you actually pick them. But who knows that the Rockets will pick with them? They might package them and trade a bowl full of hope to somebody else yeah. and get a good player for it. Right? I mean, we're going to have to see how it plays out. Oklahoma City's kind of in the same deal. You know, they hit they they built that team on hitting on a bunch of high picks. Even for high picks, they overachieved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe you overachieve or underachieve with the picks. Maybe you package the picks and move them. We'll have to see how it plays out. There are a wide range of potential results from swinging and missing a bunch of times to using them to acquire a veteran player or players. I mean, my guess when I looked at it on those picks, by the way, just so everyone's clear, 2022, I, if I have it right, they're getting Milwaukee and Brooklyn's picks. So they're probably getting the 26th and 28th picks of the draft. The 2024 pick, unless something goes wrong, is still probably the 28th pick of the draft. And the 2026 pick has a chance to be pretty good. That's it. David Locke, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Are you picking the Nets to come out of the East? Yeah, I think so. Just running the numbers, if Kyrie's right, it's, it's a reform. It's a rebuild of Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Chris Bosh. It's exactly what it is. It's like the most remarkable offensive team, and there's just no way teams can catch it. And Joe Harris is Ray Allen, and they're just so incredibly efficient and overwhelming. I I know they could be bad defensively. I just am not sure it's going to matter. They're so much. Kevin Durant's the best offensive player in the NBA right now. James Harden's been the best offensive player in the league last year, and Kyrie Irving's been one of the best over the last three years. Like, they're 
I, I don't think I have my points gain metric. And if they, if all three of those perform at average, it's actually mathematically impossible for teams to catch them. And then you add Joe Harris, who's wildly efficient playing off of them. It's really, it's exactly like Miami. Miami was great defensively. So they're not good enough defensively to go win what? Did Miami win at one point, like 23 straight games or something like that? I mean, that's one of the greatest teams we've ever seen. They're probably not that, but they're so great offensively that they, I think they win the whole thing. David Locke, radio voice of Utah Jazz, joins us every Friday here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. David, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, moving around so we could get Joe on. Yeah, who is Joe Ingles anyway? Just <laughs> <laughs> one of the most hey, popular the way, players. <laughs> inappropriate comment of the day. I'll noodle things around with you any day. And we'll leave it on that sorry note. <laughs> Thank you, David. See you. When we come back, all the stuff we've been talking about in this show in one segment. We'll get you up to speed next. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. From The Athletic, he's our friend, Sam Amick. Our listeners love to hear what you think of the Jazz. Does this team have the potential to do something beyond the expected? Yeah, I think they do. I really like the Donovan, Moody Gobert combo. They have things in their corner that were not in their corner in the bubble. They have Bogdanovich, they have Mike Conley, and Jordan Clarkson. So I think the potential is there. Within all that, I think it's Donovan elevating his game again. Say what you will about Brooklyn. They have three future Hall of Famers and two former MVPs and two champions within that three. Teams like the Jazz and most others can't compete with that on a star level. So can Donovan be a top 15 guy? Can he be a top 10 guy? And that's what he's got to be pushing for. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. He's a lot younger than me. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. 18 months younger. 18 months ago, I felt pretty good. So I've got a little uh, advanced age on him and experience. But um, I'm hanging in there. He's had a terrific year. I've known him for a long time. Um, always had a great amount of respect for him and think so much of him as a person, as a player. And I think there's just a lot of mutual respect. Tom Brady and his matchup with Drew Brees, both quarterbacks over the age of 40. It's the game of the weekend, four playoff games. Rams and Packers tomorrow at 2.30, Ravens and Bills in primetime. And then Sunday, it's the Browns and the Chiefs at 1, and the Bucks and the Saints at 4.40. Tampa Bay's 1-5 against playoff teams in the regular season, 2-5 and five now that they've beaten Washington. They're 10-0 and 0 against teams that missed the playoffs. PK, I just I gotta pick the Saints in this one. That those numbers just scream. They're good to a point, but they're not good enough. They're missing talent. And we had Lincoln Kennedy on this morning, and he said the Tampa Bay defense just isn't good enough. That's why he thinks the Saints are going to advance. No, I don't have any problem with that. But I do think that if you can keep Tom Brady upright and not pressure him and keep him where he needs to be and where most especially he wants to be, they've got I would say more offensive weapons than the Saints. It's arguable, but I can make an argument there, and I think they can certainly give him a game, and then you can see what happens. So I'm intrigued by this game very much. Cleveland Browns have won seven of their last nine, counting the playoff win over Pittsburgh to finish 6-2. and two. One of those losses was to the Jets. And I think if there's consensus on anything, it's that Baker Mayfield coming into the NFL had to grow up. And I wonder if that loss was one of the grown-up moments for him. It's fourth and one. They played a poor game, but they're driving. They're going to force OT. They got the momentum, and they can overcome all the mistakes they've made all day and win the game. He fumbles the ball on fourth and one. He's got to come out and say, I let my team down. I let my teammates down. They played well the two weeks since then. 
everybody in their right mind is going to pick the Chiefs. They're the defending champs, and they were 14-1. and They finished 14-2 and because they didn't play any of their stars the last week of the season, and they lost, and it didn't matter. They were already the one seed. So you got to pick the Chiefs. But I see all the close games they played, and I just wonder, there's two kinds of teams that win the playoffs, the best team or the hottest team. And, you know, when the Giants wrecked the Patriots' perfect season, well, they were, they were hot at that time. So is Cleveland the hot team that we're all overlooking right now? I mean, you just say Cleveland and it sounds wrong. But that was then and this is now, and maybe we got to relook at it. Yeah, I don't, I don't go then. I only go and I only look now. Then has no bearing. You're a then guy. I'm not interested in what happened. I'm interested in what's going to happen. Uh, and they are hot, and they play with moxie, and they got a lot of cocky confidence, which sometimes is one and the same. So, But it is K- KC, and – I said in August, until I see KC lose in the postseason, I'm picking KC, and they've done nothing to where I would think otherwise. Ravens and the Bills. Uh, for me, the easiest team to see them winning on the road this weekend is the Ravens, and that's a weird thing for me to say because I really like the Bills. I think they're really good, but bad draw here, and maybe they'll overcome it and they'll, they'll pull it off anyway, but I really think the Ravens have gotten it together here late in the year and are better than their record, which is pretty good or they wouldn't have gotten in the AFC playoffs in the first place. There, there's no weak links in the AFC playoffs, uh, and, and you know, they, they could do it again. I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. I have no idea what's going to happen in this game. To me, it's the uh, the biggest toss-up of the weekend. I think that Buffalo, for all the confidence and hotness and all that stuff that you want to put on Cleveland, I oh. think you also put that on Buffalo. I think Josh Allen is an emerging superstar. Yeah, he looks like he's got he's, he looks like he's got it all, doesn't he? And then you got the Rams and the Packers and uh, Packers, 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 Packers. Lincoln Kennedy said even with no fans, nobody wants to play in Green Bay. No player wants to go play in Green Bay in January. And, and just seeing Aaron Donald get hurt during that Seattle game, if he's not 100% and their pass rush isn't 100%, how in the world do they compete with the Packers? They've got to have well, that I'd pass I'd pick the Packers rush. with or without Don, uh, yeah. Aaron Donald. Donald. We talked some college hoops earlier this morning. The Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies all won. And the Utes, who had the most offensive issues of the three teams, were the one who put up 79 points. The other teams won low-scoring defensive games. And the Utes put 79 on the board and beat a Stanford team that was 4-1. and one. And you watch more, as much or more Pac-12 basketball than anybody, and you couldn't believe how bad Stanford looked. Do you think they, they played that poorly? Do you think the Utes made them, made them look bad? The inevitable co- combination of both? Yeah, I don't want to take anything away from Utah, and I'll get to Utah in a second. But to answer your question, I thought Stanford not only played poorly uh, physically, they played poorly mentally, which was surprising because, you know, Stanford with the uh, educational background that those guys have to have and all that stuff, I was surprised by far in my mind, and I think Haas, their coach, would agree with it. Worse that I've seen them play, and I haven't seen every game, but – uh, I think that they, they did not play poorly. The thing about Utah, it's great that you won, and that's the goal. And you played very well. In my mind, best game of the year that you've played. You know, you beat Washington, but Washington stinks. They're uh, historically a bad team. I saw some stuff on Twitter this morning about how bad they are. Uh, so you beat them, and then then you stumbled a bunch, and now you beat Stanford. The thing about this win, though, and it's great that you got it, But now you've got to play to this capability because you showed us you're capable of playing this way. And it's not like anybody on that team had a a once-in-a-season game 
to where you think, wow, man, that fill-in-the-blank dude, he was out of his mind. Not really, no. I mean, Plummer sort of comes and goes, and I think he had 16, so he was good, and you take that from him just about every time. But the point I'm making is you set a standard of what you're capable of achieving, and now it's up to that coaching staff and the kids to show us that you can do that more than once. And you have a schedule set up, as you pointed out earlier. you got Cal, who stinks. Uh, Washington State has a nice record, although they got smoked by the Bruins yesterday afternoon. They were never in that game. Uh, so I'm not really sure what to make of them. Washington's awful. You should win that one. So you have an opportunity to put together some wins. And if you don't, it looks bad. Because it's almost like, well, if you stink and you don't have enough talent, so be it. But when you show that game against Stanford, who was a game or a half a game behind in second place behind mm-hmm. the Bruins, then you ought to be able to do it a little more consistently. And they would say the same thing. It's, I'm not saying anything that they wouldn't agree with because they believe it's there. All right, you showed us it was there. Now go show us again and again. Cal Saturday night, Cal is 1-6 and six in the Pac-12. So and and their one is beating Washington by six points and Washington is last place in zero and six. These are yeah. teams eleven and twelve. I know ASU and Oregon State only have one win, but they haven't been able to play very many games uh, because of either COVID or opponents' COVID situations. So uh, yeah. I expect when they get more games, they'll get more wins. So you got to beat the bottom of the league, and two of your next three are Cal and Washington. They're the bottom of the league. Utah State, 7-0 and in the Mountain West. They beat San Diego State 57-45. You give up 45 points in 40 minutes, you're playing some defense, and you ought to win, and they did. Not by the 33 that they smoked the bottom of the league, but by a very comfortable 12. Didn't you think watching that game late? The Aztecs aren't getting this game. Utah State no. is going to seal this deal yeah. here in the final 6-8. However much was on the clock when it occurred to you, the Aggies are going are gonna to get this win. Well, I thought they were in control most of the game now realizing you know a six-point lead doesn't scream overwhelming control but I never felt like they were in danger of losing maybe I didn't know for sure that they were going to win but I felt like they weren't certainly in danger of getting smoked here and didn't feel like San Jose State was going to go on some 18 to 2 run and they did what they did and in Kate I think was the best player out on the floor which really isn't surprising you know I want to see that kid do what he can do and be healthy because it looks like he's got something there, and, and Miller hit some shots and a way that they, they went. They, they, statistically, they didn't get a lot of out of Bean, who tends to be a double-double guy. But they, they did what they did, man, and you're 7-0. and zero. That's the most important statistic, is you're 7-0 and zip in the conference, right? Isn't that what they are? They are 7-0, and oh, and they got a chance to sweep the Aztecs and go to 8-0 and oh tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. The game's on CBS nationally, so you see it on KUTV locally. But wherever the Aggies are recruiting, people are going to be able to see it. It's a, it's a big stage. It's a quality opponent. And to sweep these two games, that would be, that would be huge. Well, I suspect tomorrow's game would be much more difficult than yesterday. Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. I think the Aztecs would be more desperate. Plus, uh, whatever you did, now they're trying to figure out how to counter it and all that stuff. So you'll hear that game here on The Zone. Scott Gerard will have the call, and it's at 11 o'clock, and his pregame show will start at 10.30. And then there are the BYU Cougars, who trailed 50-43 to at St. Mary's and won 62-52. That's a 19-2 to run over the last uh, 10 and a half minutes 
to win that game. And you talk about, uh, because we both lived in Southern California in the 80s, Magic Johnson winning time. He said it. It stuck. Everybody knew what he was talking about. When you go on a 19-2 to run in the last 10 and a half minutes, you are dominating winning time. Yeah, I don't think BYU played all that well of what they're capable of playing. I think they can play much, much better. Now, I said I had my doubts about St. Mary's. I did not know. Well, obviously, I didn't really like what I saw, particularly in that stretch. They couldn't buy a bucket, and there was nothing they could do. But the good thing for the Cougars is they won a ball game that was a gutted-out type of thing, and maybe a B-minus performance. I think they can play much better, which bodes well. It does. It does bode well. That was a, uh, a great win on the road. A 19-2 run to close the game is really impressive. So BYU's 10-3 now, and they are at USF tomorrow, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. The game time on that one got moved, so you might have a schedule that says something different. But it's 6 o'clock on ESPN2. 6 o'clock our time then, ESPN2 tomorrow night? Yep. Okay, I'll be watching some football and certainly keeping my eye on that one and flicking over enough. 11 a.m. for the Aggies, 6 o'clock for BYU, 8 o'clock for Utah. And uh, the, the Utes will be the toughest game to find there on ESPNU. So a lot of you have that, but some of you may not as well. ESPN who? You. Okay, got it. The, the Cougars ESPN2 and Utah State's over there on CBS. All right, we talked with Joe Ingles and David Locke. Your takeaways from, uh, from listening to those two. Any jazz knowledge you want to share with people? I think that uh, Joe's got a lingering injury, obviously, and uh, to what degree it's going to linger, I'm not sure. Uh, But he talked about, you know, playing a game, sitting out, playing a couple games. He didn't really want to do that, so what does that mean? But he also said he's feeling better, so that's a good sign. Because, obviously, he's a critical component, because the thing that I love, and I talked to him about it uh, earlier in the week, not this morning, but earlier uh, that he's really settling into that role, and I think his role off the bench, he's playing a lot better than he was last year at the start of the season. Seems like there was way more inconsistency, not sure exactly should he go back in the starting lineup, that type of thing. Well, now, no, he's, he's really playing well, and, and, and they need him. Uh, to to play well. I mean, he's a critical component there, and guys just love to play with him because he can get them the ball. But as a team, they're playing well. Uh, Locke's thing, you know, I don't know if he's doing a little Lou Holtz and building up the opposition. Uh, Feels like Atlanta can be a bad matchup. All right, maybe it can, but still, you got to find a way to win, man. Because you got the thing that you don't want, you don't want to get momentum and then squander it. Uh, knowing that you're not going to win all the time, that's just not going to happen. So you're going to have, obviously, uh, several more losses to go if you play 71 games, if they don't make up the Washington game. So you're going to have you know, a decent amount of losses. That's understandable. But don't, don't waste momentum. You talk about Tampa being 10-0 and against, uh, what, non-playoff teams mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Well, that's a good sign. At least you're beating the teams you're supposed to. Totally agree. I don't want to make... see your 6-4 and four against non-playoff teams. Right. Who, who does that, that impress? That would suck altogether. So if Atlanta really is this bad matchup, well, then, then I'm more intrigued about this game. Go, go get this game. You're playing well and continue it to set up a little momentum for you or extend the momentum for Sunday with the Nuggets. Sunday night, the Jazz and the Nuggets right here on The Zone. All right, the uh, 
that's pretty much it, unless you got something else you're dying to talk about here. Well, we did talk yeah. a little bit about Bama having six first-round draft picks. How do they Good do it? Well, they've got the well, best players. <laughs> that's how they do it. Uh, yeah, that's why you want as many high-star kids as you can get. It's a numbers game, and the more you have, the better you're going to be, even though that's an inexact science for sure. But today also is International Signing Day for MLB, so keep your eye on that. All the sign stars, but will we know who they are? No, not immediately. Unless you're grabbing somebody out of Japan who's really accomplished. Uh, yeah, but do you know who they are? Maybe you do. No, I, know. Some I, would, of them you I do. wouldn't, but I would read the story and I would see somebody, you know, hit a bunch of homers or struck out a bunch of guys and, you know, dominated in Japan. And then I would think, okay, that's someone you can plug in right away. Yeah, the whole International Signing Day is very much a, a futures deal. And five years from now, you can be ecstatic, but how do you know right now? Uh, if you're a nerd, I guess maybe you do. Okay. <laughs> DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, your feedback coming up. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Crazy Kyrie, why don't you come to your senses? You side with the Nets and you drive them insane. Oh, but they knew just who they were getting. So they only have their stupid choice left to blame. (laughs) That's another win. Uh, does Kyrie know there are people singing about him halfway across the country? Two-thirds yes. of the way across the country? They said he's going to play tomorrow. I just saw that come across the television. He got hit with a big fine, and he's going to lose a lot of salary for the games he missed. But on the other hand, he's making so much money. I don't know. It, it, you know, guys get fi- guys get hit with tees, and you know, Jordan Clarkson made the joke about returning twenty-five grand lighter and all that. So I guess it matters to him. I don't know that it impacts their day-to-day life, but... He's paying a price for all of this, that's for sure. There's a dollar number hung on it. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting development to see. And I, and I, I, just, I just wonder how much these guys realize they're entertainers. And, and, and I know they've got lives and all, and they, and they have ups and downs and all. But we, we look to them, at least I do, to just have fun with it. It just seems like, uh, man... you. Why get into these situations? But life is complicated, and they're human beings, too. They've got a ton of talent. It's going to be interesting to see uh, who takes on the Chris, Chris Bosch role and is willing to do a little less. You know, Kyrie's used to having the ball in his hands. Certainly James Harden has been as ball-dominant as just about anybody in the NBA uh, during the last yeah. five years in Houston. And uh, watching a little bit of the TNT stuff last night, they were quick to say, well, Durant's done it because he had to fit in and he had to play differently when he went to Golden State. But the other two, just huge question marks. And if they do it, then they got a ton of talent. And if there's no distractions, which seems like a big ask, but if there's no distractions that they fit in, then they really are set up to have a super team and go crazy. But it's also really easy to see this falling apart. Well, they, they all got their money. They're all rich beyond belief. Mm-hmm. And they've all got the individual accolades. Two of the three have won titles. Uh, I would think that you would be able to do whatever you need to do. It's about winning. Well, what, what, what stats do you need that, that are bigger than winning based on what you've already achieved. No, the you know, sta- I get the- it. If you're younger, you want to s- assert yourself so you can get the big money deal. Check. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Literally. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, the stat that matters now is how many rings do you retire with? 
because that's we count them up on stars and lots of NBA fans. They know Jordan's got six, Kobe's got five, Magic's got five. You know, LeBron's sitting on four. He would sure like to get that fifth one. Absolutely. You know, Bird had three. I mean, you can just run through Duncan's another I, guy with five championships. I hate the ring. I know. I, I know you do. I hate, it's not about rings. <laughs> Frank Layden said once the Stanley Cup is the best. They celebrate it. It's a party. It's so fun. It's so fun. But the ring makes it me, 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 I, I, I. Whereas the Stanley Cup, it remains about the team. And they're all around the cup and they're hoisting it. And it's, it's awesome. It's about winning, man. That ring. Who wears rings? Tom Brady in a few key gifts. <laughs> yeah. But you but can't you wear, wear those things around every day. Were, They're right. so heavy. You couldn't, you know, try opening a door or driving a car with one. Try, try eating with one of those things. <laughs> I've actually held a World Series ring. Yep. I've held a Super Bowl ring. And how huge are they? They're massive. Yeah. Who does that? I mean, I'm a bling guy. You know that. Absolutely. I tell people all the time. No one believes me. <laughs> PK's always got that chain on. <laughs> the turnover chain. <laughs> he's still no, it's not even a turnover chain. He just, ah. He's got his chain. Yeah, to me, it's of a pit bull. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, Paul's got a question for us here. With the Jacksonville Jaguars rebuilding, is it now going to be called Urban Renewal? You're an old newspaper headline guy. That translates to the uh, to the web. Oh, that's been out there. Uh, the urban thing, the urban renewal. Uh, so all, I think he's been around enough. He's been in the national spotlight long enough that all the urban headlines have been used. There's nothing left, people. It's an awesome story, and we here, I fought, we've all followed him every step of the way, and we're going to continue to follow him because he was in our community for a couple of years, and it, I don't know that we'll ever see anything like it in this community. Somebody who can take this community by storm like this, and almost metaphorically speaking, as quick as he got here, he was gone. But what a ride it was! What is what was it? Channel two? Or did you have the, when you had the chopper? You were following him. And yeah, some, I was off some, that night. I missed that, that. I wish that that was when he was leaving. That was when he was leaving. The different people were coming into town. I think Notre Dame flew into town. And Florida was already here meeting with him. And the chopper was up, following some car. Notre Dame's going to the hotel to meet with Urban or something like that. I was, I was off that night and missed it, and I heard yeah. about it a little afterwards. I, I saw the very end of it. Someone called me, and I turned it on. But I yeah. think uh, Gordon has a story where the watchdog asked him to go hide in the bushes or something. <laughs> he, he had to go stake out his house. He's talked about it multiple yeah. times. Yeah, <laughs> and if you know Gordon – that's not something. He's not a beat guy. That's never right. been his. <laughs> Gordon's not here to stake people out. Right. That's something I would do. <laughs> Gordon's here to back, think yeah. deep thoughts and then write eloquently about them. <laughs> Precisely. Well said. You, meanwhile, yes. are standing by the telephone pole. <laughs> right. Right. That's With a something I would pen. do. And then right. he ran down to the corner. <laughs> yeah, and they and I remember Gordon talking about that. I think this is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I had to do a stakeout one time, and it turned into such a nightmare. And it was oh yeah, I've done it. Majerus was taking a job, 
and it well he wasn't but he was flirting with someone about possibly taking a job yeah. and it was whenever they did that parade for the basketball team the saddest sorriest parade ever after they lost in the final <laughs> to Kentucky at first I had to go cover that thing I'm like I did not get into this to go to parades I don't care I lived two hours from the Rose Parade and I never I had zero desire to go to it I don't I no no but anyway so I got to go right and so I see there I'll never forget Mike Doliak's face. You know, it was the face of a kid who just lost his puppy. I hope they find my puppy and bring it back. He looked so sad. It was so depressing. They'd been so close to winning it all, you know, and they were still really feeling it. And so you're there, and then it's when we had to wear pagers, pre-cell phones. <laughs> you get this page, uh, call the station. And I call the station, and they, it's like, you got to go up and, and sit in the circle outside the hotel and wait for Majerus. we got to find out. I think it was the Warriors whoever it was, whatever job, find out. And so we're sitting there, and he comes out, and so we get out of the car and go talk to him, and he gives me a no comment, and he zooms off. And before I'm back to the station, he's called our GM to complain. And then yeah. the GM's running around the station, why was David James doing that to Rick Majerus? And finally someone said, well, because we called and told him to. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> Jeez. All right, anything else you want to share with the people here at the end of the week, PK? The last word until you're on TV Sunday night. Have a good Martin Luther King weekend. Enjoy enjoy your time, man. That's what it's about. We'll be on TV Sunday night. It is a three-day weekend. We'll be off on Monday, and we will see you on Tuesday right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.